We take our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5 this morning. We're continuing here in 1 Peter. Um, in the side room over there, is my clipboard over there somewhere? Would you mind bringing that to me, Patrick? Thank you. All right. So this today's the last day I'm passing this around. And if you didn't sign it and you don't want to sign up on it, that's totally fine. But I knew last week with it being the new year, we'd have more people in and out in the last two weeks than normal. That's why I did it for two weeks. So leading up into the new year, and we're second Sunday of the new year. And uh, last service, it was so, last week at 830, it was so quiet in here. Everyone was just out of it. This morning, they're all talking and loud. I'm like, you can tell it wasn't New Year's Eve the night before, you know, in the first service. But um, if you want to sign up for a spiritual health checkup, I called it. If you want a time with the pastor, we can talk about life. We can talk about anything you want to talk about. Carla said she might need plumbing done, so I might go over and do some plumbing. If she has chocolate chip cookies for me, I will do it. That's fine. I can, be bu- I can do work for food. It does work that way. But um, if you want... You know, if there's something in your life you want to talk about, if you want to just talk, whatever the case may be, just put your name on here, and I will, in the next week or so, get with you probably tomorrow or Tuesday, and we'll start setting up times for all of that. And we'll either meet here at church or maybe at your house, wherever. And so if you want to sign up on there, that is good, great, and wonderful. And if you don't, that's less time for me with all of it. But I really, I love getting to be with you and being around everybody. So if you want to sign up there, that's great. First Peter chapter number 5. So we get into the message today. This is one of those passages and in the scriptures. There are certain messages I don't love preaching as much as others. You say, well, why is that? Well, you'll see in a little bit as we get into the message today. And, uh, but you get to relax for 95% of the message today. I'm going to be talking about how a pastor is supposed to be. So you can just sit back and relax. If you notice, I didn't even do this on purpose, but on the back of your outline there, there's a whole blank area. So if you see there are areas that I really need to work on in my life that I'm not doing that we talk about today, you can write those down and then pray that God helps me in those areas. And I'll take all the prayer I can get. And so, but as we look here, before we start, I want to talk about a few things and get us into this passage. As, you, as we've gone through First Peter, and I know during Christmas those last weeks and then last week we talked about growth, we've been out of there for three weeks. First Peter is written during a time of persecution for Christians. And basically, as we've seen in, chap- in the last chapter, chapter 3 of Second Peter, Peter reminds people to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Cha- the first, first Peter has to do about growing in grace in the midst of all the trials that are upon them, where the second book of Peter talks more about growing in your knowledge of God. And that's why our theme for the year is growing, and you'll see all that tie in in a few weeks. But we go from how to handle persecution to persecution coming to all of a sudden, this is how God wants a pastor to lead. So why is this put right here when it's kind of with, when you look at everything else here? But I sincerely believe that as the world, and in that day and in our day as well, the church, God has a specific way he wants the church to function and for pastors or elders to lead. And I believe that if pastors and elders would, if they would do what God's called them to do, it would help out with everything else going on in our world. And the problem is, we talk about this subject and we get down to it, and I believe today that a lot of pastors don't do 
what God wants them to do. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. I can't control any other pastor out there, and I wouldn't want to. I have a hard enough time right here with myself this morning. We'll talk about that here in a minute. One of the things that happens, though, and when we talk about this, we live in a day and age where there's no balance in so many areas of life. And I've told you, and my goal, my goal in my Christian life today is to be balanced. And that's not easy to do, and I'm still learning it. If you achieve good balance in the Christian life, you teach me how you've gotten there so I can get where you're at. Because we're either extreme or we're the exact opposite. You know, like Jesus was full of grace and truth, the Bible says. Well, there are a lot of churches that all they are is truth, and there's no grace for anybody. And it's all strict, rigid, truth, no grace. But then you have the other side, where all there is is there's grace and love, and there's no truth. And you need grace and love, but you need truth as well. You need to be like Jesus. Isn't that a concept? We need to be like Jesus? We need grace and truth. But we as people, we tend to go one way or the other. We're either hot or cold, and then sometimes you're lukewarm. You say, well, that's a bad example. I know, right? Because in the middle of that is, but that's not what we're talking about today. When it comes to people's view of a pastor today, we live in two worlds when it comes to it. First one is, and my background has some of this in this, where, and this, is, this should never be done. I'm stating that right now. You never elevate or worship a pastor. But some pastors get a celebrity status. And I hear, I'll hear some pastors I used to listen to a lot in their preaching, I'll listen in, They'll be like, well, this pastor and their hero, this pastor said this, he said this, he said this. And I throw a message, and I'm like, I didn't hear that Jesus said one thing. I heard their hero said a lot of things. I didn't hear anything that Jesus said. Isn't Jesus the one I'm supposed to be preaching? Not Dr. So-and-so? But the tendency that we have is to elevate, and that's a bad way to live. When the pastor's got, and got to have all of his security guards and he's a celebrity that kisses your hand as he walks down the aisle or signs something for you, God never intended for a pastor to act that way or for people to act that way towards them. But then you've got the opposite end where people don't respect pastors at all. And that's not scriptural either. Because God does call pastors, and in all reality— the Bible says, this is the Bible, in Ephesians chapter number 4, that pastors are a gift. If you were to unwrap a box and my head popped out, you'd be like, give me a new one. That's not the one I wanted. But we go from the extreme of man worship to the opposite to where being a pastor means nothing, but there is a calling of God, and we need pastors. So there's got to be some balance. There is a such thing as pastoral authority, but then there's also the point of not following your pastor to drinking Kool-Aid after the service. There's so there's no balance there. I know of a church that's 25 minutes away from their one of their last pastors. He went around the church telling people they need he felt God's calling on their lives to go out and buy real estate. They need to buy houses. And he did such a great job of that. He told them that. And he's like, I even know this lady that can help you get all set up. And it was the lady he was sleeping with instead of his wife at the time. And on top of that, he made 10% on every house that got sold. 
over a hundred members in that church listened to him and bought a house following his leading on that. It's also the same guy that would lock the doors at the church, and if they didn't have enough money offering, they wouldn't unlock the doors till people paid. And there are people that go that crazy. I've heard of past, there's a pastor in South Africa that gets his people to eat rats. Yeah. That's craziness. But then there is a scriptural side to it all, and how do you balance what the Bible says and not go crazy with it on the other hand? And so what I'm going to try and do this morning is bring some balance to the subject. And you might say, and as I get through here, you might be like, well, pastor, I don't agree with you, and I'll just, I'm just grateful you're not my pastor. So here we go. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 1. Let's look and see what it says. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who also am an elder, and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, and all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Father, I pray bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. We need you. I love you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your working in our church. I pray you bless the message today. Help us to get what you have for us. Work in our lives. Work in my life. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, before I dive into the message this morning, I'm just going to give you a little insight into my life for a minute. There are certain passages, 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 5 here, 1 through 4 really. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Titus chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. There are passages that I read every single week. Also Ezekiel 34. And you'll see why Ezekiel 34 in a couple of minutes. I also take the time every quarter of the year to grade myself on how I am doing on what the Bible says in these areas. I also, at the end of the year, look it over for the following year. And in all reality, and it's probably not a good thing overall, Brian's biggest critic is Brian. And sometimes I shouldn't be my, because it, w this is the thing, sometimes when we think about ourselves in that way, it's pride, because we're still thinking about ourselves, right? Even though we're not supposed to be. But I critique myself probably too much. And it just, it is what it is. We all have faults, and you have your faults, I have my faults. We're not perfect. So, but I study these passages often. Um, the city of Chino, since I work with the police department and things and spend some time there, they send out emails often. And in those emails, they talk about jobs that are opening up in the city. And the way those emails work is it starts out with the qualifications and it talks about what you need. And then it talks about your requirements and what you're required to do. And then it talks about compensation under all of that. And so what I'm going to do this morning is the first three points of my message, I'm going to label it just like you would a job description of what happens, right? 
So as a pastor, we're going to look, and now you say, well, look, let's start out before we get into the notes. Let's look at the first thing. It starts out, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder. So the first thing you've got to figure out is what or who is an elder. Let's start there. Now, as we start here, there are several different types of people that would be considered an elder in one way or another. So you could start out with mature people, right? Because they're older than everyone else, so they're elder, right? Mature, wise, that's how all of our older folks are in this room. Young at heart, but older. That's an elder. That's um, in Bible days, there were Jewish elders. They talk about those in Jerusalem. And this is primarily used in the Old Testament. It talks about them some in the Gospels. The book of Revelation refers to the four and twenty elders, right? And those four and twenty elders, there's a lot that could be said about all those four and twenty elders. We'll maybe cover that some other time when I go through the book of Revelation. And yes, I've got a whole 60 sermon series on the book of Revelation. Say, why haven't you preached it? Because, <laughs> I don't know, you know, the, I remember one of, one of, where I went to Bible college, the guy Jack Hiles there, he wrote, one, when he was young, he wrote a book called Let's Study the Revelation. And later on in life, he said the one book he wished he never would have wrote was Let's Study the Revelation. And when I heard that, to me, I'm like, I got to read it now. And so I did, and I've got it in my office. And you say, well, why did you read it? Because now I, looking at it, I know why he said he wouldn't have written it then. So that's why I haven't preached through my series completely through Revelation, because I don't have it all figured out, and none of us have it all figured out. But if any of you have good notes on Revelation, send those to me, and I'll look at those, and that would be a good thing. I always get a good plug right there. Those that are elder, spiritually mature. But anyway, so there are older people. you got Jewish leaders, elders in the book of Revelation, and then you have men, spiritually mature men who lead the church. The word elder, the word bishop go together. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. We, we would refer more to a pastor in our local context today, but they all have the same idea there. As we look at this and we think about this and look at what it says, as it go, he says that he is exhorting them to feed the flock of God, taking the oversight. I think it's pretty clear, and I, sometimes I'm not the brightest bulb in the room, but I think this is pretty clear that this is talking about a pastor. That's my understanding here, or pastors. And so that's the context of I'm gonna, And look at what Peter says. He says that the elders, I love how he says this, which are among you. They're not high and lifted up. They're not unapproachable. If you have a pastor that's not approachable, there's problems. It's supposed to be given to hospitality. That's one of the requirements. We'll see how deep we go into the requirements today. I don't want you to see too much today. But you know, he doesn't pull rank. He serves with everybody else. The word exhort means to warn, to counsel, to encourage. Peter wanted to encourage pastors or elders in what they were supposed to do in the local church through inspiration. Now as we look at this today, number one, we dive in, we see pastoral qualifications. Let's start there. So we let now, as we look, we're going to look at some other passages of Scripture to make sense of all this, but look at verse number one. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and witness of the suffering of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. The word elder there in the Greek is presbytos, something close to that. That's where we get the word presbyterian. 
the requirements or the qualifications of an elder are shown to us in Titus chapter 1 and in 1 Timothy chapter number 3. So Titus chapter 1, verse 5 through 9, let's look at this together. So this lists the qualifications for an elder or a pastor. Let's read what it says. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldst set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city. As I appointed thee, if, a, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife. Now, let's just stop there for a second. Now, we have, the, it says to be an elder, you need to be the husband of one wife. Is that what the scripture says? Or am I stretching that? That's what it says. I know we live in a world today where there are women that are the husbands of one wife, but that's not what it's talking about right there. That's not God's way of things. I believe in what it says here that a man should be an elder. I think that's scriptural there. The husband of one wife. I will carry it a little bit further. And you might say, I disagree with you. That's totally fine. Like I said, totally fine. I disagree with myself half the time, but this looks pretty clear to me. It also says the husband of one wife. My personal opinion here is that, and people have lots of different ex explanations here. They say the husband of one wife, one wife at a time. I know in that Bible day, there were times that people had more than one wife. And I don't, you know, like you look at those men in the Old Testament that had more than one wife. I can't figure out one. Why would I have several, you know? And I love my one. I don't need any more. But um, the husband of one wife, I take that as a divorced man shouldn't be a pastor. There are lots of other things that a divorced man can do. Now you say, well, what if he got divorced before he got saved? If God, you talk to the Lord and you figure that out. Because there are lots of what ifs and all these different things. And when it comes to a deacon, it's the same thing. The husband, wife, it says the same thing. And I know that we look and sometimes we'll take a verse in Romans chapter 16 and say, well, they were female deacons. Well, in all reality, the husband and wife team were the deacon team. If you're being, that's what the scripture teaches. And, the, and it's interesting that the Bible gives requirements for the deacon's wife, but it doesn't say a lot about the pastor's wife. Like she gets a free pass on those things. I don't know why it's that way. If I was writing it, I would add some stuff in there for the pastor's wife. But um, So look at what the, it says here. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop, and some people will look at that phrase, well, the pastor's children have to be perfect. Number one, there are no perfect kids. That's where to begin. And then some people say, well, my kids grow up in my house, and then they leave my house, and then they, then they, then they mess up. Does that mean I shouldn't be a pastor anymore? When a kid turns a certain age, they make their own choices. You can only do what you can do with the time God's given you. You cannot make them do what's right when they get older. Right? He's not supposed to be, he's supposed to be a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Then the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter number 3, verses 1 through 7, this is a true saying, that if any man desire the office of a bishop, now if you notice there, you see the word bishop is used there. And the word bishop, it's, uh, it's interchangeable with elder, but it means um, 
to, to be a watchman or a guardian. Episkopos is where, what that word is. It means to look over something carefully. And so it says, if any man desire the office of a bishop, he, he desireth a good work. A bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. So this wasn't just one verse theology. It's found in a couple places. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, thus being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them that are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Now we could take the next three hours and break down all of those qualifications. But we're not going to do that this morning. If you need more detail about those things, come see me, and I'll explain a lot of those to you. I remember when I, when I was here to candidate to be pastor here, because I'd already started a church, but there were four people here, and God worked it all together. And one of the four that were here brought up to me, I'm 25, I get it at that time. And they're like, you're not supposed to be a novice. I said, I am young. But that's not talking about being young in age. It's young in the Lord. I said, I've been a Christian since I was six. I've been in church from the second week I was born. And we could go back and forth about the Bible anytime you want. And so it helped them. So that's talking about being a young Christian. And so there are qualifications the Bible gives. Not that men give, that the Bible give. And I believe that God calls pastors. There's more we can say about those things. But we see... First of all today, number one, the qualifications. Number two, we look at the pastoral responsibilities. What is a pastor supposed to do? Go back to chapter 5 of 1 Peter, and we're going to look there. Look at what verse number 2 says. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. So we see next that Peter goes from, he says he's going to exhort the elders. What's he going to exhort them and encourage them in? The responsibilities and what the responsibilities are. If we were to look at these responsibilities, we could break them down really into four things. First of all, letter A, to feed God's people. Feed the flock of God which is among you. The primary job of a pastor or an elder is to feed the flock of God which is among you. This phrase could be translated, shepherd the sheep of God. It's the same thing that Jesus told Peter in John 21, verse number 16. Feed my sheep. Now, something that will help, and I know there are not a lot of elders or pastors sitting in this room, but a good reminder for all of us, if you see, Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep. They were Jesus' sheep. We see in 1 Peter 5 to feed the flock of God. So as a pastor, something I need to remember, you are not my sheep. You're his flock. Be a good way for us to live in a lot of areas of our lives, right? Like our children. You say, those are my children. No, they are God's children, right? That he loans to you. And we have a responsibility to train them and to be good stewards of them because they belong to God. And in all reality, all of us and everything we have belongs to God. 
But you'll hear, and we got to be very careful. We don't, this is not Pat, Br Brian's church. This is Christ's church is whose it is. It's not, it's his church. You're not my people. You are his people that I get to work with. You belong to him. That's the way we need to view it. But you see the primary function and the primary responsibility is for a pastor to feed the flock of God which is among you. And as we look at this and we think about these things, I've had people often ask me, well, pastor, how many did you have at church yesterday? I hate, I hate when people ask that question. First off, who cares? That's not, the, that's not what matters, number one. But number two, I didn't have anybody. I guess, well, I, no, you brought the kids with you. I didn't even bring my family to church. I brought myself today. So how, I'll say that. So how many did you have in church? I had one. I brought myself. Did anyone else show up? Yeah, there were a lot of people that came. The Lord brought a lot of people that day. But sometimes we get caught on these things. It's the Lord's church. It's like, I heard someone recently, how many did you see saved recently? I don't see anybody saved. I might witness, but it's the Spirit of God that saves them and works on their heart. I just plant some seed. God does the work. And it's a good reminder for us. And there's so much that could be said when it comes to feeding God's people. May I just remind you this morning, we read it a few minutes ago back in Titus, that we're supposed to hold the faithful word of God. And may I just remind you, pastors, their primary job is to feed the flock of God, not with their opinions, not with their thoughts for the week, not always, not the local garbage going on in the world, to feed God's people with the book that matters. That's what God's people need. God's people need this book right here. They don't need the pastor's opinions or what his standards are. They need this book and what this book says. So we see the primary responsibility of a pastor, first of all, is to feed God's people. Now, I want you to take your Bibles with me to Ezekiel chapter 34. I mentioned this passage earlier. And I read through this passage often. And I know there are some out there that would say, well, those shepherds or those pastors in Ezekiel are different than what a New Testament pastor would be. And I get that. There's a difference there. But I would also say that if God wasn't happy with the way the shepherds of the Old Testament did things, he wouldn't be ha happy how it's done today if it's done the same way. Because the Lord doesn't change. Right? Ezekiel 34, look at verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Now this wasn't the people out there tending the sheep in the field. But look what it says. It says, um, Prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered because there is no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field. When they were scattered, my sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flocks were scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. 
And there's so much, and you see God, what he says, his judgment on Israel's shepherds in the next several verses. And then you see how the Lord's going to be a shepherd to them later on. But there's some things that we see in those verses I want you to notice real quick. We see that those shepherds, they fed themselves, but they didn't feed the sheep. Didn't make God very happy. You see the fact that they didn't help strengthen the people there in verse number four. They didn't help the sick. They didn't help the broken. They didn't go after what was lost. They, with force and cruelty, ruled them. And God wasn't happy. That's not how God designed an under-shepherd or a shepherd to be. We see the primary, the primary responsibility, number or letter A, is to feed the flock of God which is among you. My job as your pastor is to feed you God's word. It's like coming, coming to church should be like sitting down at my house. Some of you, the last month, I had some of you over to our house, and we fed you a meal. When you come to church, there should be a table spread and God's word ready for you to eat and to devour. I'm supposed to give you, that's why I need to spend time studying the word of God. I need to be in the word of God. I need to spend time in prayer so I can feed you God's word. That's what the Bible says. We see that we're supposed to, letter A, feed. That's the primary responsibility. Letter B, supposed to lead. Taking the oversight thereof. Do you see that? Look back at our text, 1 Peter, chapter number 5. Feed the flock of God which is among you. And look what it says. Taking the oversight thereof. After feeding, pastors, elders need to be leading. When we think about, as I mentioned, the word bishop earlier, it has the idea of a watchman or a guardian. And literally means to gaze upon something. And I think about what Proverbs 27, 23 says. I love this proverb. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds. And when we look at this and we think about a pastor needs to lead. And as he leads, he needs to be with his people. I, everyone can have their opinion what they want to about churches and that's totally fine. I am not a big mega church type of guy. And if you are, that's wonderful and great. And what I and this is the thing, I've had people that will leave our church and they'll be like, Pastor, it's just not as small and intimate, and they don't like it as much as some of the bigger churches they go to. And one of the things I encourage them with is, okay, if you go to a big church, you need to get involved in a small group. Because a small group brings the size of it. And I've had people say, Pastor, when are we gonna have a small group? Have you looked in the room? This is a small group right here before your very eyes. But we don't need small groups when we have small groups already. It, it's okay. And, uh, but uh, one of the things I believe that's important is the pastor leads and does those things. He needs to know his people and be with his people. And some of these churches where the pastor's unapproachable and not with his people, how can he lead? And how can he help go into the future and have a vision for a ministry if he's not with God's people? That's how it's supposed to be. And the Bible says here, taking the oversight thereof. And naturally, on some things, I don't love to lead. I don't like that. It's just not inside of me. But that's what God wants done. It says this here. And I talked about that in Titus. And as we talk about the fact that pastors, lo I love this verse because it just reminds me of the fact that pastors need to be with their people. I love how someone said it like this. 
You can always tell when you're around a shepherd when he smells like his sheep. And a pastor that is not around his people is not a really good pastor. There's a lot that I could say more about that, but I'm just going to leave that there. A pastor's responsibility is to feed God's people, to lead God's people, and then let her see, be an example to God's people. But be an example to the flock. Man, this one, pastoring for 12 years now, this is one of the harder ones for me. And I I feel like I'm learning it finally. Because this is the thing. I, I tried last service to explain. Most of you in this room don't understand what I'm talking about because you're not a pastor. But I will say there are some things that are very similar that you would probably know even better than me. Because So, how many of you, a lot of you in this room have kids that are grown up and out of your house? Sometimes you see them make decisions and you're like, oh, why? You want to tell them and you want to make them do the right thing, but you really can't anymore. They're going to, you can try to give some wise advice, and sometimes they don't ask your advice, and then unsought advice, we all know what that does and where that goes. And so, but you love your kids, and you see them making these decisions, and you want to just, oh, you want to just, you just want to, Anthony, come here for a second. Come here, Anthony. Sorry, you're here. You just want to, you just want to grab that kid and be like, come on, wake up, wake up. Don't you see what you're doing? That's why the Bible says not to be a striker and be a pastor. You see, right there was a good example of it. But there are so many times as a pastor that I just, I see where you're headed. And I just want to grab you and be like, you don't want to do that. You, you don't. Wake up. Don't do that. But me going and giving you unsought advice is not going to help the situation. So what do I try to do. I try to be the example that I'm supposed to be. I've used examples before. I've had people ask me, well, pastor, you used to go, used to have a time of witnessing for the church every single week. I used to. No one hardly ever showed up. So what do you do? I still go out. I do. I still go out. But I just, I'm going to do it. We need things done and it's hard to get people to do things around church, what do I do? I just do it. I'll be an example of what needs to be done. I can't lord over you or make you do anything. But I love you, and I want you to understand something this morning. My desire for each and every one of you in this room, just like I said last services, if God's put you in this church and wants you, I want you to thrive and to grow and to be the very best God wants you to be. And sometimes I look and I'm like, why are you doing that? You, there's, God has so much more. There's like some of you that I see, and I've heard people tell me even, you know, when uh, we have people, and you're in this service, I had people come to me last service after I made this statement, but it's true. Some of you used to be so involved in church. You were here all the time, and now you're hardly ever here. You can't tell me you're growing in your walk with God. You can't. But I can't go drag you back. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I, we used to seem so close to you, but now we're, we're not. You don't come to church but once a month. I'm still here all the time. You used to be here all the time. We had more time together. And I can't go drag you back or get in your face and say, you need to straighten up. 
No, I'm going to live and do what I can and do what's right. Am I always a good example of things? No. You know, a pastor should be a good example of how to treat people when they don't treat him well. Do I always do good at that? No. I should be a good example of asking for forgiveness and being humble. A pastor should be a good example to his flock. And if your pastor's, n- and he's never going to be perfect, he's never going to do it just right, but if your pastor's not a good example of Jesus to you, I wouldn't have him as my pastor. I like how Paul said it, follow me as I follow Christ. And if your pastor's not following Christ, then I wouldn't follow him. If he's following some other man or some other agenda, don't follow that. We follow Christ. We see here that some of the responsibilities, he's supposed to feed God's people, he's supposed to lead, he's supposed to be an example, but letter D, he also needs a certain attitude. Now, it's not, I'm not talking about attitude, attitude, like some of you get, or that your children get. Not that, and not the Bridget attitude, nothing like that. Like, don't cross Bridget. She's, she's, she, if, if I got an issue, I send Bridget after people. She takes care of them for me. The same thing at school. But what, you say, well, what attitude are you talking about? This is the attitude a pastor needs to have. And I think all Christians would do good to have this attitude. Number one, I don't have to, I get to. That's a great attitude to have. I don't have to do this. I get to. Because in all reality, I could do lots of other things in life. Realize that? Now, I realize I might be a jack of all trades, and a ma- I'm a master of none. And I probably couldn't do one really, really well, but there are lots of other things I could do. I really could make more money in this world than what I make, but I'm not in it for that. But this is the thing. I don't have to do this. I get to. Not by constraint, but willingly. Second attitude that a pastor should have is be in it for the money. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And as I mentioned earlier, that pastor who was making all that side money, he probably shouldn't have been a pastor. And that's the truth there. If you're in it for what you get out of it, you probably shouldn't do it. Now, I also will say this, and I'm grateful for our church and how the church, you need to take care of your pastors, too. That's a biblical thing. 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, the Bible says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. And so a church needs to take good care of their pastor. But if the pastor's in it for what he gets out of it, and that's, you know, I've had people ask me, Pastor, what would it take for you to go to a church? That question scares me, number one. Because I don't know if they're going to go try to find a church somewhere that asks me that because they want me gone or they don't want me leaving. That scared me a little bit when I get asked that question that way. I said, well, better pay package, of course, and I was teasing. That was a joke. I didn't, when I came here, I didn't know my pay package. When I started the other church, there was no pay package. I had to pay for the building rent myself. But God supplied it, thank God for that. And so you say, well, what would it take? God would have to really do something. I've, in my mind and things, if this church got to the point where I felt that I could not help you grow in the Lord anymore, that would be one of the only ways I would move on. Because someone's like, well, I know this pastor, my old pastor. 
Our church was small, and then he got offered a bigger church with more money. And he said it was God's will. First off, it's not me to know what God's will is for someone else, and that could very easily be God's will. But it also would be pretty easy to look at a bigger church and things like that. And at the end of the day, and as I told that man, and I'll say it again, I'm not looking at going anywhere. But like I said, if it gets to the point to where I don't think you're growing under, anymore under my leading, I might move on. That would be the only way. Or you kick me out. I get, you, I get too old and I'm preaching the same message for like a year straight. If I start preaching the same message every week and it just seems like I'm losing it up here, just sit me down nicely in a little corner and let me preach to myself and I won't even know what's going on and I'll be fine. You know, that's one, honestly one of my biggest worries in ministry right now is that when the time comes that I need to stop down the line, that I stop and don't hinder God's ministry. That's a worry in my mind. Because a lot of guys don't know when to stop. Or they do, and they just don't listen. But that's for another story, for another time. But you see, this attitude of I don't have to, I get to, and not in it for the money. And then this one is, love God's people, don't lord over them. And I think sometimes there are pastors out there that lord over their people. I think they do it because they love them and want what, but I am not your Holy Spirit. I would love to be every once in a while, but I'm not... I don't lord over you. I can't tell you what to do. I shouldn't be telling you what to do. Now, is it wise to get some good pastoral advice at times? Yes, it is. Is it a bad thing? No, it's not. But your pastor doesn't lord over you. I'm to love God's people and to desire your best and to feed you God's word and to lead this ministry where God has it to go and to be an example of what God would have us be. We see number three. So we talked about our Roman numeral number three. We look at the pastor's com pastoral compensation. Remember I told you we're looking like we're looking at an email from the, uh, from the city. You got the qualifications. You got the requirements. Look at the compensation. Look at verse number four. Look what it says. And when the chief shepherd, oh, I love that, Jesus the chief shepherd. No pastor's the chief shepherd. They're all under shepherds under the chief shepherd of Jesus. When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And as we look at that and we think about that crown of glory that fades not away, um, the crown of glory is the victor's crown, and it was the only prize the ancient Olympic um, runners received, and they cherished that thing. And you faithfully do what God's called you to do, and God will reward you for being faithful in those areas. Now as we look at that, and as we get ready to close, we see the fact that Peter says he's going to exhort those elders. They need to feed God's people, lead God's people, be an example to God's people. We've seen the attitude that a pastor and elder should have. And then I want you to see, lastly this morning the biblical response to the leaders or to the elders. What's the biblical response? Verse number five. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, and all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. I remember when I was in that meeting in this 
this side room used to be a whole separate room back in the day. If you can see what the church used to look like compared to what it looks like now, completely different compared to what it used to look like. Side room over there, we met in that room, and I remember that one of the one of the four people that were there, the guy looked at me, and that guy's with the Lord now, but he looked at me and he's like, "How old are you?" I said twenty-five, and these were his words. I have socks older in my drawer than you are. If you can keep socks for 25 years and not have holes in them, that's pretty impressive. And maybe some of you have that in this room. My socks wear out every year or two. So that guy had year, socks 25 years old. He didn't talk about any other of his, you know, T-shirts or underwear or anything like that. But he had socks that were older than me. And I remember when we got done with that meeting. And the following week, they voted me in as pastor. That guy came up to me. And it's interesting how things ended up with that man, and I, it, it is what it is. But he came up to me after that meeting, and he's like, I already told you, I got socks older than you in my drawer. I'm in my 70s. But you're my pastor now. And I respect you as my pastor. You're way younger than me. You have way less life experience than me but I respect your God-given role. That changed later on, but at that moment, that was pretty neat to hear. And when a pastor is following the Lord and doing what God's called him to do, as a church, you submit to that authority. That does not mean, and that's, you got to be very careful, because people run with that, and they run the wrong way with that. And when, when these things aren't being followed, you should not follow that. And that as a church, that's where a church needs to speak up. And there are times, let me just, you know, there are times where there's stuff in your life where I'll come to you and I'll be like, hey, something's going on. You need some help here. And I'll try to reach out and help you. you know, I've seen it in churches where the signs are everywhere that that pastor needs help. But, oh, I got to submit to that. No, you don't submit to that authority. There needs to be someone loving enough in the congregation to be able to go to their pastor and love him and be like, something's not right. And I'm here to help you. Because we're on a team together. We're all together in this thing. A church doesn't function because of a pastor. A church functions because of everybody. And there are no big guys up here and everyone else doesn't ma- we're all level yes there are some qualifications and responsibilities that a pastor has that are a little different but that doesn't change the value of anyone in this room and that also doesn't mean that you will ever look at your pastor and be like well I can't go talk to him about this you should talk to your pastor and if you and uh, do me this favor you're hearing it from me I said it last service I'll say it again if you see me in areas that I need help in just come help me. Now, I can tell you this. There could be times that I might not respond right to you. I get that. And I will come back to you, and I will apologize when I get right with the Lord. And that's happened a few times. I wish I could say I always— re- you, you know how it is. Someone comes to you and says, you're not doing good with this. Like, who are you to tell me anything? And I think about later on, oh, yeah, didn't I say in that message that if they're just trying to love me and do what they should, and then I get right about it. And so I'm going to, my job is to watch out for you 
and to help you. But I also believe a church has a responsibility to watch out for their pastor and to love him and watch him. And if there's things that don't look good, get it talked about. Deal with those things. But I believe one of the problems we have today in our churches today is we don't have the model that we see in this passage of Scripture. And if pastors would get back to feeding God's people, leading God's people, and being an example to God's people, it's not do as I say, not as I do. If it ever gets to the point where any of you in this church work harder in this church than I do, I'll quit. I'm going to outwork you. You say, that's pride. No, I want a good example. I want to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to get to the point where I can't. The other day, the floor was filthy in here for some reason. There's nothing wrong that I have to pick up a vacuum cleaner and vacuum. But then someone got it dirty again, and I had to do it again this morning. And it was different stuff in the same spot right here. It's either Michael or Caroline. It's one of those two because it's right here. Two services in a row. And so if that continues for the next week, one of you two are going to do it next time. If I did it this morning again, but that's okay. But we look at this passage and we see what the qualifications are, the requirements, the compensation, as I said, and then a biblical response to this. And it's not blind following. My pastor can do no wrong. I did wrong this morning. Your pastor can do wrong. Every day, I don't do what's right. I'm not to be lifted up, set on a pedestal anywhere, because I will fall right off of it by the time you set me up on there. I'm going to hurt your feelings at some point. I never want to, but I will. But if we get a proper view of these things, it would help us. Not overblown and worshiping, and not, there's just got to be a good balance to it all. The message, if you need more help with any of that, or you have some thoughts about that, you can see me and we can talk about that. But let's just serve the Lord together and do what he's called us to do until he calls us home. Father.